0: this is Ed Stetzer live and I'm Ed Stetzer and I'm actually live from well Oxford England and I'm here and it's the most wonderful time of the year and of course by the most wonderful time of the year we refer to some of the Christmas themes and more um so but let me let me tell you that um that this Christmas is particularly uh, special today to, for me because it's the first Christmas that we've actually lived in a place that isn't cold in a very long time. So the Setzer family, Donna, my wife, and my daughter, uh, my youngest daughter, and Donna always put up the Christmas tree, and so this year we, the Christmas tree is up. I should announce that of course, with enthusiasm, uh, but it's a whole different feel when you're living in Southern California. So, um, so, but the tree is up, and the proper day to put up the tree, by the way, is the day after Thanksgiving. It's the Friday after Thanksgiving. You probably should. I already have your tree up. I'm not judging you. Well, maybe I'm judging you a little bit if you don't. But um, and don't call me if you're like mad about Christmas trees either. I understand that people have different views on that. But my point is, is that we're in beautiful sunny California, but I couldn't stay there because I needed to be in the cold and the wet and the rain and the dark and the damp. So I'm actually here at Oxford University. I'll be teaching a class all week at Wycliffe Hall, and so excited modular one week class, uh, and so excited to be here. But that means I'm broadcasting live from the UK now. Those of you who've been long term listeners, you know that. Don and I lived here for uh, the fall or autumn as they 'd say here, and so it 's good to be back. but I always feel a little bit like um, when we 're here because we we don 't have the the uh, fine accoutrements of a wonderful studio. Like we normally do, our teams work really hard to get all this set up, but it's kind of held together by spit and bailing wire. So hopefully everything will go great today because we have a guest. Well, I mean, it's not even a guest anymore. She's kind of a friend of the show. We've had her on the program uh, probably more than anybody else so many times and big fans as well. So let me tell you about our guest who's going to talk with us about some Christmas-related themes, because it's December, so you may now play Christmas music. No, so Sheila Walsh is an author, Bible teacher, you know the name, Sheila Walsh, and she's a television host who's spoken to over six million people around the world. She hosts several shows, including Praise and Better Together on TBN. Her books have sold nearly six million copies. And if you add my books to her books, we've sold together Over 6 million copies. And it includes bestsellers like It's Okay Not to Be Okay and The Gift of Christmas. That was a joke that I hope some of you got. But anyway, originally from Scotland. So that's the great part, right? So we're originally from Scotland. She's originally from Scotland in the UK. I'm in the UK. So we did there. But Sheila lives now in Texas, the great state of Texas, with her husband, Barry, and their little dog, Maggie and their son Christian is in graduate school Sheila thank you for joining us ironically I was in Texas yesterday and now I'm in the UK and you are back in Texas though you're from the UK but thanks for joining us on the program
1: Oh, Ed, I'm so jealous. I just, I'm really homesick at the moment. I mean, I know it is dreary and drab and rainy and it gets dark really early, but there's just something about Christmas in the UK that I absolutely love. And by the way, anytime anybody mentions my bio and they say that I've spoken to six million women, it doesn't actually say if any of them were listening.
0: That's true. That's true. Right now, you know, when you're on the radio, people say like you have a potential audience of like 30 million people (laughs) and it's like, well, really, but 30 million people don't have their radio on at any given moment. But so let's just go with it. You know, the, these publicists write the bios, but here's the deal. Like, like everybody knows Sheila Walsh. And so we're so excited that you would come on our little humble radio show and talk to us because we're, we're fans. You and I got to see each other a couple of times last year, I think it was. And so, uh, we just would like what you do and we're excited to have this conversation with you as well. So, so, um, if, but if you were here it is like literally i got a group of students here and after the radio show what is it like five o'clock here we're going to go out to um, a convenience store there and several of them americans i got some ordinands from Wycliffe hall but the americans are going to take them out to a convenience store and, and they're all they're all like so it's raining and people just like go out i said yeah that's that's it's freezing and it's raining you put on an overcoat and because in america you know we'd like shut it down you know people say i can do all things through christ who strengthens me but then they they don't go to church when it rains so i mean so it's a whole it's a different world here so be thankful that you're in the beauty of texas where i woke up yesterday and i and flew overnight to be here in the uk but anyway so all the business here in the uk like we're doing i'm good we're going to go to one of those uh oxford university carol sings during some of our off time so oh it's going to be super fun now i'll make you jealous because you're of course classically trained musician um, so we're going to do that, but, um, but we're also going to do some shopping at the Oxford Christmas market, which ironically is built over the place where, uh, Latimer and Ridley were burned to death wow. the spot next to them selling ornaments is right there where these people died for their faith. There's a kind of a, wow. a record screech across the conversation, but man, so how do we like walk through super busyness and and clutter to experience some of the joy and the peace of Christmas? Where do we start? How, do, how does that happen?
1: Well, you know, it's really interesting, Ed, because I've never written a Christmas book before. I mean, I have a lot of Christmas devotionals that I I love, that I read every year that different people have written. But um, I think there was just something about, I don't know whether it's the age I am or the stage in life. I felt like I don't want to go through just another stupid Christmas where, Mm -hmm. you know, we spend more than we have. And then I have to lose 10 pounds in January. I'm so fed up with that. <laughs> so I thought, OK, I need to do a, a deeper dive. And so I decided to take all the things that um, we're familiar with and, and really kind of research the roots. Like even you mentioned Christmas tree. So um, I found this fascinating thing. and I actually have this book by a woman called Dorothy Haskins. And it's a lovely book. It's called Luther's Children Celebrate Christmas. And, and it's all about Martin Luther in the 16th century coming home one night and she, he sees the trees and the, there's snow on them and it's sparkling and everything else around seems so drab. So, as she, she says, that he cut down a tree and he carried it home and decorated it with candles. And she writes that he said, he explained to his children that the tree is green in the winter, like our faith in Christ. It stays fresh, <laughs> even in a time of trouble. Our faith in Christ stays green, even in sorrow alive even in the midst of despair. So there's so many things that I think we just look at and think, oh, Christmas tree. And by the way, I've had mine up since 2020. Yes, three years, yeah, people, just three kept years. It up. Didn't take it down, just, just kept it up. But But there's nice. so much, when you actually kind of research the roots of so many of those things, there's a much deeper meaning.
0: Yeah, and I think that's part of the fun. The book is, of course, the Gifts of Christmas. It's actually uh, devotions for Advent, so you'd have to jump on it pretty quickly or order it online uh, as well. So, um, you know, you kind of lay out for us some of the the ways, you know, some of these some of these additional facts because there's so many things we get, I don't know, we get caught up in, and and you know, people people have different things about Christmas. You know, we we actually didn't. How do I say this in case someone's listening in the car in their minivan? We didn't participate in Christmas myths with our children. So um, and, you know, I'm not sure that my, my kids might as if they have when they have kids, they might have a different view of that as well. And we and we tried to kind of decommercialize it. But I mean, you just there's a certain force that you can't overcome with this. Yeah. So we, we obviously were very thankful to give gifts to our kids and all that sort of stuff. But we've always tried to like on Christmas morning, we'll read the we'll read the Luke story of Christmas. Yeah. We'll we'll pray together, we'll thank the Lord. And we always give a weird tradition for us, but we always give a largest our largest gift to the Lord, particularly for global missions. My denomination has this this Christmas offering for international missions. So we so we give to that as well. But all these things yeah. are just trying to acknowledge that man, Christmas has been swallowed up by something else. And yeah. so how do we Get it back. I mean, you talk a little bit about it, but but this is a big part of what slowing down is getting it back from the world. Talk to us about that.
1: Well, you know, one of the things I kind of made a decision about earlier on in this year is like, like I wanted to be kind of like God's secret agent, like God's boots on the ground. Like, I think that, that if we follow and if we're in love with Christ and that's, he's our whole hope and our whole direction, then every day when I get up, I have this prayer and it's very intentional. Lord, give me eyes to, today to see what I'm going to miss. And give me ears to hear beyond what's going on in the culture to, to what's really happening. So let me just give you a little example. I had, um, I had this $100 bill that I came across. We just moved a week ago, so we're like knee deep in boxes. And um, in one of my old wallets, there was a $100 bill. And I thought, oh, that's wow, I didn't have had that. But I had this kind of feeling. That maybe God wanted to do something with it so I stuck it in my pocket and then a couple of days ago we have all these boxes you know and I'm thinking what do I do with all these boxes and I think I think it's illegal to take it to the back of Kroger and put it in their dumpster but I think I'm going to have to do that so I'm, I'm driving off and I can't find Kroger but there's a little Mexican restaurant and at the back there's a big dumpster and I think okay, you know, Lord, you're just going to have to cover me here. So I'm trying to get this box into the dumpster, and it's too big. And I see a woman coming out of the Mexican restaurant. She obviously works there, and she's kind of having a smoke. And she's watching me, and I think, oh, gosh, any minute now, she's either going to come over and tell me you can't do that, or she's going to call the cops. And she starts to approach me. And as she gets closer, I'm like, Lord, what do I do? And she says, and very, her English was broken, but way better than my Spanish. And she said me help you. What she did was she took my box and she broke it down and she put it in the dumpster for me. And in that moment, it was clear. God said, well, now you know. So I took the $100 bill out of my pocket and I gave it to her. And this woman, she had to be, I don't know, early 70s maybe. She Mm -hmm. threw her arms around me, tears pouring down Mm -hmm. her face and hugged me for a while. Now, I have no idea what God was doing with her, but that's to me, it's like every single day, I'm like, Lord, just show me how we are your fragrance in this world that is just getting sourer by the moment.
0: Love that, love that. We're gonna continue our conversation in just a moment with Sheila Walsh, and we're talking about her brand new book. It's a Christmas theme as well, The Gifts of Christmas is devotional. And you can if you grab it today, you can jump right in and catch along with the devotional content that's there as well. We're gonna take your calls as well. Talk to Sheila Walsh, 877. 877- Again, I'm live from Oxford where it's all decked out for Christmas. So let's talk some about maybe the themes of your Christmas tradition as well. 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back. The headsets are live. Uh, during the break, Sheila and I were talking about uh, me being here in Oxford and going to the Oxford Christmas Market. And it is funny how much people love just being here. It's just, you know, you're. I'm going to attend a church in the morning that's been worshiping in the same spot for a thousand years. Um, you know, there's a tradition and a heritage that, you know, Americans, we just don't we don't have that. And one of the things that I think you kind of tie into the book, though, as well, you tell stories of Christmas past. I want to talk a little bit about that and also want to invite our callers. We'd love to hear first. If you have questions about Christmas themes or comments about Christmas themes, you're welcome to share those. I would be particularly interested in some of your uh, callers, your kind of traditions, how you seek to to keep Christ centered in the Christmas experience. I mentioned ours is that, um, you know, we do, uh, you know, I probably just lost my reward in heaven, but we, we make sure the largest gift we give is to Global Missions just because it's Jesus' birthday, so we want to we do that. Um, and with other things, like, you know, where we read the Luke 2 story, things of that sort, but I bet you've got some as well. 877-548-3675. And, of course, we'll take your general calls as well. So um, so talk to us a little bit about some of these kind of, when you go back and talk about Christmas past. Why That's so fascinating, people, because we still... You know, I mean, who doesn't want to watch? You know, it's a Wonderful Life or something like that around yeah. Christmas. What draws us to that? And tell us some of those stories.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because every Christmas Eve, I listen to um, a festival of nine lessons and carols from King's College in Cambridge, and. Absolutely yes. love that. Um, and one of the things that I discovered... I just, I just want so... to interrupt
0: you and express my... Dis- I want to express my disappointment <laughs> that you mentioned Cambridge while I'm at Oxford. They, we call that the just... other place here. But anyway, yeah. go ahead, back to your festival of a Cambridge-ness. But go ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Had to get that in there. Um, yeah. but, you know, even just researching some of the history of some of the most beautiful Christmas songs and re- reading the story of Silent Night, it was written by a, a young... Austrian priest, his name was Joseph Moore, and he wrote the lyrics to Silent Night and probably intended that it would just be a localized thing, that it, they would sing it in their own church, but it became popular within Germany. But no one could have anticipated the miracle that would take, that would happen on Christmas Eve in 1914. You know, it's the middle of World War I, which as you know, was a bloody, muddy, horrible war face-to-face combat in the trenches, absolutely miserable. And on Christmas Eve, in fact, even the Pope had requested that there would be a ceasefire on Christmas Eve, but neither side had responded. But there's this beautiful story of Walter Kirchhoff, who was a German officer who had been a tenor with the Berlin Opera, and on that night, on Christmas Eve, and it's freezing, it's misty, it's horrible, he suddenly begins to sing Silent Night in German. And there's kind of a hush that falls over and the German soldiers join in with him but the British soldiers on the other side of the trenches they knew the song and at the end of the German version they begin to sing Silent Night in English and Walter Kirchhoff, he put down his weapon that night because he was no longer a soldier. He was, he was a soloist. He's, he was using God's gift. And there's something about that. I mean, obviously, it did not continue after that night. But I think particularly in the culture and in the days we're living in, surely Christmas, surely the arrival, the turning point of human history should compel us all to put our weapons down and begin to sing a better song.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. You have such a great turn of phrase, and the book's that way as well, and of course, you know, we've just all have known and listened to you for years. The book, again, is called The Gift of Christmas. I do want to encourage you to pick it up. I think you find it helpful and encouraging. It's The subtitle is 25 Joy-Filled Devotions for advent of course our guest is sheila walsh we're taking your calls as well uh our number is eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five we're going to go first to victoria in california victoria you're live on here with your question or your comment go right ahead
2: hello there i appreciate you taking my call and hello sheila walsh merry christmas to you and, merry and to, you, to you victoria yes sir Oh, I think the best thing for me this year, -year 67-year-old mom, wife, grandma, great-grandma, is remembering at age 11 when I accepted Christ in my heart as my Savior, Mm. and somebody explained to me what incarnate meant at age 11, and I just couldn't believe that baby Jesus was wrapped in flesh. And he was God, and it Mm -hmm. blew me away. I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And even at age 67, it still brings tears to my eyes to imagine the God of the universe, to put himself in such—I was raised down south, so I grew up around animals, and I knew what the stable was like in a manger, and— I was a young mom. At 16, I married, so I knew what it was like to have a young baby at that age. I, I, I didn't know that at 11, but at 16, I knew what it was like to hold a little infant in my arms and be responsible. So the awareness of having Mary have baby Jesus in her arms and be in a mm-hmm. stable, not have grocery stores or nati- or doctors and hospitals and things like that around her, it made me aware Of what she really went through. So at 67, it still impacts me every year. It's hard for me to pack my nativity. (laughs) My nativity sets away because I think to myself, it's precious every day of the year. I would love to celebrate jesus's birth every day and hope that Mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. And, And I know my grandkids think that grandmas a Jesus freak as they told me that <laughs> and I said that's okay I could be a freak for anything and I think being a freak for Jesus is the best legacy I leave you so don't ever forget oh. that I love
3: you that's wow. so good that's
0: so good love that what a, what a, what a what a great call what a written up exhortation. Actually, if you'll stay in the line, Victoria, we want to give you a copy of the book, The Gifts of Christmas, as well. Uh, Our gift to you as well. Victoria just, I mean, I love when she talks about how God the Son became Jesus the Christ. It just... It's just shaped her life for, you know, she's six, like seven years old. Uh, I mean, that's part of the beauty of this. The beauty of Christmas is, the miracle of Christmas is not that a fat man can fit down a chimney. The the miracle <laughs> of Christmas is, is the incarnation. God the Son became Jesus the Christ. Talk to us a little bit about the theological and the, just the beauty and the implications of that truth.
1: First of all, Victoria, I just, I love the passion in your voice when you speak about Jesus. And you're right, we're all freaks one way or another. And that's the way I would like to be described as as a Jesus freak. And by the way, you and I are exactly the same age. And I gave my life to Christ when I was 11. And and it is still overwhelming to me to to think of exactly what happened. And I I was reading um, Psalm 23 the other day because I just love that shepherding psalm. And I thought, you know, the, the amazing thing about Christmas is that in David, God made a shepherd boy into a king. But in Christ, a king became a shepherd. And there's just this great reversal of everything that should be, you know, in terms of our unworthiness and our absolute desperate hopelessness apart from Christ, but that he would leave. You know, I was, I've been reading through Isaiah, and and when you think of the picture that Isaiah gets of what's going on in the temple, and I mean, how overwhelming that is, and that Christ would leave that to literally be born in such a fragile way. And the other thing I love about the Christmas story is I love that the announcement was made to the boys on the night shift. I mean, the fact that the the angel declared to the shepherds, which as you know, Edward, the most despised people in the community, I mean, even if shepherds tried to walk through the town, merchants would throw fruit at them. I mean, they were just the lowest of the low. They were not on anybody's party invite, but God decided to make the announcement to those men, to let them know good news to all men, just blows me away.
0: Mm. Yeah, there's so much, and you're There's so much to the story, and and what's interesting is, I mean, you know, we can be focused on our own individual Christmas traditions, and I love them. I'm I'm for them, but there's just so much in the biblical text to draw out as well, and the history of Christmas as well. Again, we're taking your calls eight seven seven. Five four eight three six seven five. Maybe you're sharing a little Christmas uh, tradition that you have. Maybe you've got a question or a comment for Sheila Walsh. We're going to go to Mark in Aurora, Illinois. Uh, you're live on the air, Mark. Go ahead. Yeah. The oh, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, wait. There we go. Okay. Mark. Mark. Sorry, Mark. We lost you for just a second. We're bringing okay. you back. Go, go right ahead and jump right in.
3: Well, the Lord has providentially placed a spiritual anniversary right between thanksgiving and christmas i received what the charismatics in those days were calling the infilling of the holy spirit i just know that i came closer to the lord and this was in december 2nd 1973 i was 15 years old it is now december 2nd 2003 or 2023 i'm sorry and i am 65 and i am grateful for 50 years of walking with the Lord, I am grateful for being a contented single who knows that He needs Jesus more than He needs any woman, and I'm just—I'm I'm remembering with gratitude the things that the Lord was doing back then and the things that He's doing now. And this is a 50th anniversary, and. I, uh, I'm looking forward to Christmas and it's just a wonderful time of year for me.
0: Well, that's awesome. I love the uh, marker mark that's actually there. If you'll hold on for just a second, we're going to give you a copy um, of the gifts of Christmas. And, you know, I mean, I think so much of that is remembering so much as because here's the, here's the reality. I mean, you, you know, the shield's not a secret. Uh, December 25th is probably not the day Jesus was born. Yeah. The shepherds are not out watching their sheep at night in the middle of the wintertime, et cetera, et cetera. But, but even as, as Mark was talking about, it's like a marker for us to come back and, you know, to rethink, to, re, to, uh, to re-expect. I, I know, I think I made up a word there, but there's an expectancy that's there. Um, so how do we walk through this? Because it's hard for us to be expectant, and especially, you know, kind of when we're waiting on the Lord. How, do, how does Advent expectations, waiting on the Lord, faithful expectancy, how does it all tie together?
1: You know, what I loved about Mark's comments or that, you know, that he is a single man and that he realizes that his need for Christ is so much greater than his need for for, mm-hmm. for a woman, a companion that way. But it made me think of I always hated mistletoe growing up because I was not an attractive mm-hmm. teenager. I was not on anybody's list of women who need to be kissed. So I avoided it like <laughs> the plague. But what I I discovered about mistletoe, I love my BBC Wildlife magazine, but I learned something in there where it said that mistletoe can't survive or thrive on its own. It's actually, its scientific name I think is phorodendron or something, but it's Greek for thief of the tree. So mistletoe Hmm. literally steals nutrients to survive. Um, But the interesting thing to me that I think shows about how we are grafted into Christ, is um, I read this article in my magazine that says that it's a partial parasite which you know it attaches to a tree via suckers and roots, absorbs water, but then it goes on to produce its own food via photosynthesis. And I thought that is just a great picture of Christ that we cannot survive without him. We have no nourishment without him. So we mm. are grafted in, but then we go on to produce fruit that you know, that shows that his life is alive in us. And that's why I hear Mark say, you know, that that's 50, on this 50th anniversary, that because we're grafted into Jesus, because we absorb our very life from him, we go on to produce life that impacts those who are in this earth.
0: Yeah, so good, so good. Mark, if you hold in the line, we're going to give you a copy uh, of The Gift of Christmas and excited to be able to share that with you as well. We're going to also remind you we're taking... Your calls, our phone number is 877-548-3675. Maybe you got a question or comment for Sheila, or maybe you're going to share something that's special, uh, maybe a tradition you have about Christmas as well, 877-548-3675. We're going to try to squeeze in one call and try to hopefully get that uh, before before the break. So, Carol, we're going to go up to you in Cleveland, Ohio, but we got to kind of squeeze it in in about 30, 30 seconds, 45 seconds. What's your question or comment, Carol?
4: oh my goodness Uh, well one of my favorite memories of christmas is i became a christian at 18 through intervarsity christian fellowship at cleveland state university and um my first christmas with the group and except after having accepted the lord we went they had a tradition of joining with other campus ivy fellowship groups at a mansion in cleveland And it was very dressy, very formal. And the gal that led me to the Lord was driving the car and we pulled in the parking lot. And of course it was dark and the fella ushered us into the parking space and I opened my door and fell right into a storm storm.
0: Okay, Carol, i I got to get you on because I want you to hold on to the other side. I want you to finish that story because i got to know how that ends. Stay with us. We're going to continue our conversation with Sheila Walsh and hear the rest of Carol's amazing story on your calls as well. 877-548-3675. Okay, we're back, and we, we were just not doing justice to Carol's story, which was, which was seeming to, uh, t- to go in a very interesting direction. those of you just joining us, uh, my name is Ed Stetzer. This is Ed Stetzer Live. I'm the dean of the Talbot School of Theology at Biola University and your host this and every Saturday. Okay, so Carol, we're going to come back to you. You were telling us you were at this InterVarsity thing, and nice shout-out for InterVarsity. We like them. Uh, you were going to this fancy uh, dinner, and you got out of the car and picked up a story from there and tell us the rest.
4: Well, the, you know, a fellow guided us into the parking space and there was, it was very dark in the parking lot. And um, I opened the door and (laughs) fell right into a storm sewer. I mean, there was no escaping it. Um, I just opened the door, started to slide out of the car, stand up, went into a storm sewer. Fortunately, I caught myself with my elbows. So two thirds of my body were dangling in the storm sewer. And everybody, said, well, what happened? Where does Carol go? What happened? And I'm help, help, help! And uh, the parking attendant had to pull me out. And by that time, uh, my clothing had all gone up around my neck.
0: Oh gosh. Uh- <laughs> okay, this might get this I might get worse. That. For I'm I've got my I've got my finger on the pulse button. Carol, you're making me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, you know,
4: uh-huh. underwear not included, but. Um, Okay. good. So um, fortunately, he was able to pull me out and I got all straightened out. So uh, my clothing was not it was a little maybe damp around where it had touched the ground. But basically, it was dry. But my legs were covered with leaves. My
3: Hmm.
4: imitation alligator shoes were now peeling because they were. In the water, yes. I would leaves all over my legs, and okay, um, that is
0: a that is a unique, like high level Christmas story as well. <laughs> but I also know Carol that you that you had a question for Sheila as well. What's that question? I want to get want to jump to that as well.
4: Okay, um, but just real quick, the the thing that really got to me about the rest of that evening is when I went in, yeah. people were coming up to me and asking me, "Are you the one that fell in the storm store? And I said yes, and they said. Hmm. We hope you don't sue because we want to keep coming to this place.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Oh gosh. My question.
4: My question um, for Sheila is: My grandpa, oh, my mother's family was all from um, Scotland, and they had a tradition um, at midnight. Someone with dark hair had to was good luck for them to walk into your home. So every New Year's Eve at midnight my father would be the first one to enter their home because he had black hair and i just and i think they called that hugman was new year's eve but um i just wondered if you had any particularly other things about you know scottish uh, traditions
0: that's a good well, question it's girl. if you hold on the to line too we're going to give you a copy of sheila's book as well so sheila what do you think
4: yeah we all did that carol it's
1: called first footing and it was on new year's eve which is as you rightfully say it was called hug Manet. and at a minute to midnight you would go to a neighbor's house and you would carry a lump of coal and it was just it was like a symbolic way of saying i pray that for this next year that um that you'll be provided for that you'll have what you need and i used to love that and i remember i think i i think i was I had to be like 14 before I was allowed to stay up and go first footing at midnight. But the thing I loved most growing up was, New Year's Day is really special for me because in our little Scottish Baptist church on the west coast of Scotland, we had the New Year's Day conference. every, And I was given the privilege of singing at it. And most years in our church, it was this wonderful godly pastor called Alan Redpath who would come and he would share the message at the New Year's conference and I would have the privilege of singing. And every single year, God would bring some profound message through that incredible servant of his that would impact my whole year. So that's why um, when people talk about just parties and stuff on New Year's Eve, it's, it's never been that for me. It's always been a kind of more solemn time of refocusing for the year ahead and yeah loved it absolutely loved it
0: Fascinating. By the way, a, a fun connection for, um, for, the call, for both the caller and for you. Of course, Alan Redpath, those of you who don't know, was the pastor of Moody Church. And, of course, Moody Bible Institute connected historically there as well. But he also wrote for InterVarsity, which is sort of a fun connection that's there from our, from our caller, Carol. So, Carol, hold on the line. We're going to give you a copy um, of Sheila's book as, as well. So now you were t- that was kind of a New Year's Eve tradition. Are there like certain Christmas traditions that, that Scottish people do that are different than the rest of us?
1: I'm not sure that they're really different. I mean, my my favorite thing every Christmas Eve, and it was a fairly small church, maybe 200 people, which let me personally say I loved. I love small churches. I love being in a place where you walk in and you recognize people and you, it's just... That's really where my heart yeah, is. But you go is. to
0: like a monster-sized church today. So, like, like, and I do too. So, I mean, I love small churches too, but 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 you don't go to well, one. So, but it was well, a small well, church. Actually, God, tell me more.
1: Actually, we, we're about to because we've relocated to a different area. Um, um, oh, in a okay. place called Colleyville, and so that's our pursuit at the moment. We're yeah. looking for a small okay. church where we can kind of Good for throw ourselves in. But New Year's, I mean, Christmas Eve, we always had the candlelight service, but for all the young people in our church, that was a time when we would literally just go out um, onto the streets and just see if there was anyone that we could invite, because you were never supposed to come to the Christmas Eve service by yourself. It was always oh, supposed wow. to be a time where you would invite someone, and my most profound memory, there was a... A family in our church that I mean I loved them they'd been in our church for several generations but um, the, the gentleman had a bit of a problem with with alcohol and he'd kind of fallen off the wagon again and so my best friend and I we were walking down to the harbor to see if there was anyone that we could invite to come with us and I saw a man kind of lying on the street and so my friend and I went up and asked if we could help and I realized it was this man from our church and he was not in a good way, and I said, "I said, to him, please come with us." And he said, "Chill, I can't. I can't set foot in the church tonight." And I said, "Okay, here's the deal. We'll wait till the service has started, and then you and I will just sit in the back row. You know, we'll just nobody has to see we're there, and I'll get you out before it's over." And so he agreed to come, and I will never forget that service because it was like there's something about when you sit in the presence of the reality of what Christmas is actually all about which is that we're all lost. We've all messed up. We're all broken. We've all fallen. And that's why God invaded our space to tell us that there is a way back home. And when I go back home to Scotland now, that darling man is is in the choir singing. And I think wow. that's what Christmas is all about.
0: I love that. I love that. I, when I was leading Lifeway Research, we did a study, and we asked people, you know, kind of when they were most open. We actually asked them like individually. You know, are you more open during a natural disaster or whatever else it may be? And Christmas was the top of the list consistently. Forty-seven percent of people said they were more open. Now that they could have been open, you know, all year at some level, but forty-seven percent said they were more open. It's one of the greatest opportunities is to reach out to people and share the good news of the gospel with them. And I love that that nobody, um, nobody comes alone to Christmas Eve service. And But loneliness is, is obviously, I mean, a lot of our listeners right now, this is, a, this is a hard time of the year. And loneliness can peak for people, Christians and non-Christians alike. And you talk about some scriptural promises that we can hold on to uh, during this season related to loneliness and how to break through that. Talk to us a little bit about those.
1: Yeah, it's really, I've been rereading um, a lot of the C.S. Lewis's books recently. I just got the whole Narnia set again in a box edition, and I've been reading through. And it brought back this memory to me of of a, a Christmas morning. My, my mom, we, she was a widow and very low income, and so we didn't have a lot of money to do fancy things at Christmas. But one of the things she would do is that we all had um, a library card, and part of uh, part of our weekend would be going to the library and she said we can't go to the world at the moment but the world could come to us and we would get out classical music and great books and things by dickens and but i remember on this particular christmas morning and this is really not answering your question but it was i was reading okay. through the lie, the lion the witch in the wardrobe and i remember coming to the place where i said i threw the book down and my mum said Sheila, what's wrong and i said you know the white witch just killed aslan i hate this story And I remember my mom saying to me, then you have to read on. And I think that is true in life, Ed. Some people right now are in the loneliest, darkest days of their life. And I keep saying, you have to read on. The story is not over. That's what Christmas is all about. You have to read on.
0: Oh, such a good word. Such a good word. Continue our conversation with Sheila Walsh. We've got one more segment for your calls as well. If you want to call us at 877 548 3675 her her brand new book is the gifts plural the gifts of christmas i want to encourage you to get a copy of it as well we're going to continue our conversation with her and really go right to your calls uh, when we're back in just a moment 877-548-3675 it's central live live from oxford with sheila walsh who's in texas and your calls in just a minute back it's debts are live sheila walsh is our guest talking about her brand new book that you can get really just right now because you want to jump in for the advent season and the book is called the gifts of christmas it's a devotional uh plural gifts the gifts of christmas by sheila walsh we're going to go right to our calls we're talking about some of the loneliness and some of the challenges and uh, penny has something that maybe adds to some of that question penny you're live on the air with your question and your comment go right ahead
4: Provide suggestions for celebrating Christmas for those grieving the recent death of a loved one.
0: Penny, thanks so much for your call and hold in the line too. We're gonna to give you a copy um of Sheila's book, The Gifts of Christmas. I mean this is you know, and Sheila, it's also personal for me. Both both my mom and my wife's mom are widows this Christmas for the first time. we with lost both of our uh both of our stepfathers and so you know, we're, we're thinking about this. We're trying to make sure that they're not alone and more. What do you, what do you think in general? How about someone who's grieving during this this Christmas season?
1: Oh, first of all, Penny, I'm so, so sorry. I mean, there's just... I think particularly when something happens around this time of year or when an anniversary, when something significant happens. I was doing a Facebook Live the other night and talking about, you know, an empty space at the dinner table and how agonizing that is. And, you know, it's interesting. When I lost my, my mom... Um, which was just about three years ago, and I still catch myself in fact the other day I, I passed a store that I used to get clothes for my mom and she liked it I, I thought it was horrendous, but she liked it and I actually went into the store before I thought oh for goodness sake what are you doing and and So what I did for a year and for all through that Christmas time was, and this will sound strange, but I'll I'll explain why, I carried a candy cane with me in my pocket. Mm. And I'll tell you why, because when you go to the origins of the candy cane, it goes right back to the 17th century. It's, It's a choir master in Cologne, Germany, and he's trying to keep the children quiet during um, this nativity play, and he he can't keep them quiet, so he thinks, well, I'll give them a piece of candy, but he thinks, that looks irreverent. So what he did was he got the local candy maker in the village to take white peppermint sticks and twist the top over to look like a shepherd's crook, and he gave that to each one of the children, and and it kept them quiet. But there's something about remembering Psalm 23, that even in the dark, even if I walk through the darkest place, I will not be afraid because you are with me. And there's something about the image of Christ as the shepherd. I love the fact that I was in Israel in March and watching shepherds getting their sheep into the pen at night. And once they're all in, this is what I thought was fascinating. The shepherd slept over the opening and the message was clear. If you want to get to my sheep, you're going to have to come through me. And I just I would want to remind you, Penny, that Christ, the Good Shepherd, is walking with you. You know, when you look at Psalm 23, where it says, um, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Um, The thou and art, there's words that have been added to make sense in English, but in the original Hebrew, it says, I will not be afraid for you, me. In other words, you can't get a thread between us. That's how close mm. the Lord is to you during this season. I, I ache with you for your loss, but I want you to remember the good shepherd will never leave your side.
0: Mm-hmm. Such a good word, Sheila. Thank you so much. Uh, let's go to Tom in Chattanooga. Tom, you're live on the air with your question or comment. Go right ahead.
5: Yeah, hey, uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I just had a comment that one thing I like to do at Christmas and also on communion Sundays and at different times is to remind myself that all the stuff in the Bible actually happened on real days, just as real as today. Like it's raining here. I think it's raining where you are. And that, you know, some days Jesus got rained on and all that. And so it just helps me to remember that it's it was all real. And uh, I think our sister with, with your guest, um, or the lady speaking, I quite don't remember mentioned mentioned um, well, I lost my train of thought on that, but the thing I know that I wanted to ask was if y'all would make some suggestions or comments about that would be encouraging to fathers to be active in things like singing Christmas oh, yeah. carols at home, things like that, because my dad never did that. And I found out later that he actually used to pray upstairs by himself and pray out loud, and I never knew that till I was about 60 or something. Uh, so I was, I'd just like to hear your Is comments that on that.
0: No, I think that's great, Tom. Thank you so much. And, and Sheila, that's a great question for, for dads who, who may be listening as how they might, you know, my, my kids would ask me not to sing uh, Christmas carols, but because I like to sing too much and I don't have a great voice like you and my daughter, who, you, as you know, is an opera singer. Um, but, but so what would you suggest for dads? I mean, maybe maybe some can sing, maybe some can't.
1: Tom, can I just say, first of all, I just I love your heart. I love that you would even ask that question. And it makes me kind of sad for your dad that he felt like that was something that maybe he couldn't do in front of you. But I think we're changing and we're learning. And one of the things I've loved, my husband and I've been married for twenty nine years. Our son is twenty seven. And one of the things that we have we do as a family is that he will read the story from Luke. Um, to us on on christmas eve and we'll reread it we'll revisit it on christmas morning and I, i think that there's just dads are stepping up in new ways in terms of of leading the family and not being embarrassed it's something that's beautiful and that's strong and and something else i've noticed that he does as a dad that i have huge admiration for is you know if something doesn't if If he loses his temper or something's not great or maybe could have been done in a slightly better way. I love the fact I've watched my husband sit down with my son and say, will you forgive me? I was wrong. And I think there's nothing greater for a dad than to be honest and real and vulnerable with your children. Because what you model for them becomes part of the fabric of their life.
0: Mm, So good. So good. Um, Let's get to one more question, if we can. Maybe maybe more, but let's get to this one, because I'm kind of interested. Doug in Tampa, Florida, uh, your your question intrigues me. Jump right in with it.
3: Uh, Thank you for taking my call. Uh, Sheila,
2: I'm older, a few months younger than a gentleman named Rich Mullins, and I know you interviewed him long ago. Um, I'm curious if you can remember anything about how he would
3: approach Christmas.
1: Gosh, that's great. Uh, one of my favorite interviews I ever did was I had um, the privilege of sitting with Rich. And I used to have a program on Christian Broadcasting Network called Heart to Heart. And it was interesting because the birth of that program was out of my frustration with my other job on the 700 Club, because I felt like all we ever told were the good stories, the happy stories, the marriages that were restored, the people that did get healed, which to, to my mind was the minority, not the majority. And so I sat down with Pat Robertson one day and I said, listen, I want to do a show that meets people where they actually are, as r- rather than where we wish they were. And that's where um, Heart to Heart was born. And so Rich was one of my first guests. And he was just, he was such an interesting, diverse, deep, rascal of a person who (laughs) he just, because something had always been done, didn't make sense to him. He struggled and wrestled to find what was real. And I think more than perhaps most people that I've interviewed, Rich had a true, deep understanding of our utter desperate need for Christ, for his grace and for his mercy. And he was a strange mixture of sorrow and joy. I saw in Rich that you can walk with both of those things in your hand at the same time. You can grieve for a world that makes no sense and yet have joy in in your relationship with God that I think Christmas with Rich would have been an interesting time. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I think so, too, as well. That would be fascinating as well. Well, uh, we got a, we got about a minute left, so maybe just give us kind of a, a final exhortation to people who are maybe looking at the Christmas time. What practices maybe do you do during Ed, Advent that keep Jesus at the forefront? How does that work for you?
1: One of the things that I, I do, and that is really important to me, is I find in every day a place to be quiet. And sometimes if it's a nice day like today, I'll maybe go out and I have a favorite tree I like to sit under and i'm learning the beauty of silence of listening for god in unlikely places and and not i mean i'll go to the mall at some point probably if my husband drags me but mostly i'll find a place to be quiet and to remember and to celebrate the good news that god has come to us
0: Love it. Love it. And so thankful for you for joining us for the program as well. Again, for the book, the book is The Gifts, plural, The Gifts of Christmas, 25 Joy-Filled Devotions for Advent. And we're so thankful that, you know, we get to move into this season of Advent expectation of looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. Uh, I always tell my kids that, you know, Advent is this time of like a reenacting. It's a replaying of this Advent story. And it's kind of a spoiler alert. You know, Jesus is born, but the expectation that's there. And I love Advent devotionals, so I want to commend to you gifts the gifts of Christmas, 25 joy-filled devotions for Advent. Hey, let me thank my team, as always, for the good work that they do. went a little extra above and beyond as we're broadcasting live from Oxford. So thankful for them helping us to make that happen. And, and our guest in Texas, well, I'm in England, kind of crazy world in which we live today. So thanks to Sheila Walsh for joining me. Thanks to our behind-the-scenes team, my producer, Karen Hendren. My engineer, Bob Moreau, and Lynn aptly manning the phones today. To hear today's program again, you'll find it at edstetzerlive.com or at the Moody Radio app. And you can follow us on you know, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all at edstetzerlive and be able to follow along with us as well. I hope that you're taking some time in the hustle and bustle of this season to stay focused on Jesus. I'm actually teaching a modular class all week, so I'll be in class you know eight hours a day. the next five days but even for me i'll take some time away to pray to seek the lord be with my family i hope you can as well hey thanks for listening to ed central live and ed central live is a production of moody radio which is a ministry of moody bible institute again we'll listen, talk to you next saturday looking forward to it